The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Be it superstition or just an apparition, you suddenly appear inside my heart. Does this strange romance stand? Welcome to From the Bleachers. I'm your host, as always, Seamus Clancy, coming to you from the wonderful Bleeding Green Nation Radio Podcast Network. Today, I have a great guest from the Bleeding Green Nation Network, draft writer extraordinaire on BGN, BleedingGreenNation.com, Ben Natan. Ben, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for ha- having me on, you know. This is the 99th episode. If, if only I was a week ahead, you could have been the special guest for the hundredth episode, I really wanted the Eagles to win last week for obviously five thousand reasons. But one of them, I wanted to try to have some cool guest on for the hundredth episode and have it be in season, a preview of the NFC Championship game or something wild like that. But maybe Benetton, Benetton for number ninety nine. What more could you ask for? Ninety nine is a good number. I'm 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 pretty happy with ninety nine. Bring it home for Jerome, right? Yeah, exactly. So I'm recording this late Monday afternoon, early Monday evening. Ben's hopping on here with me. Thankful for that. Over the weekend on Saturday before the NFL playoffs slate kicked off, Ben did a great mock draft using a mock draft simulator on BleedingGreenNation.com. You can check it out on there. We could do the link to it in the podcast description. I'll make sure our great producer, Ray Shelf, can throw that in there for you. So if you listen to this, you want to read Ben's article as well, I definitely recommend doing that. Ben does a lot of great draft work for BGN all season round, doing those little player write-ups during college football season on Saturdays and during the week in the fall. And obviously this is bread and butter season for Ben and other people that are all year round draft uh, Knicks that are all into this. And this is what, uh, this is what you take all those reps, watch all those random mountain West games in uh, October, November for, right? Yeah. This is, this is what I stay up till uh, one in the morning watching PAC 12 games for, you know, so I can bring you guys this content in the winter and spring. Yeah, we do. Um, so uh, this is, I think, the third off season that I'm going to be doing this mock simulation series. And you know, the the draft network is a really has a really good uh, mock machine, mock draft machine. Yeah, it's and really basically good. Basically, I, I love to play with it and and look at different scenarios because every avenue through the draft can look totally different based on, you know, whoever your first pick is, whoever your second pick is. And I think it's a really good way to just play out a bunch of different ways in which the draft can go for the Eagles. Um, Obviously, you know, despite the fact that they won nine games, they made the playoffs, we all know that this is a team that still has a lot of needs on both sides of the ball. Uh, And this is a draft where they have a lot of capital to spend. 
So there's a lot of different ways for them to go about addressing the various needs on the roster. So I, I'm really looking forward to going through the series and the way that it evolves over the course of the next few weeks, especially you know with free agency coming up in March. That's obviously going to change the tra- trajectory of the team. Um, obviously, there's so much buzz about you know if the Eagles are going to trade any of their draft picks or, or, or what have you. So just keep an eye out for those. Those, those are going to come you know sometime in the midweek, uh, mid to late week every week, uh, and uh, that's going to be one of my most consistent series over this off season. So yeah, I'm excited. You know. Obviously, you know, I didn't want the Eagles to lose a playoff game, but I'm always happy to jump into the draft, and this is the how I usually kick it off. So the Eagles have three first-round picks this year, the 15th pick by Miami, the 16th pick by the Colts, and the 19th pick, their own pick they get after losing the wild card weekend. Do you expect them to make all three picks? I'm not just saying they can obviously move up, they can move down. Do you expect them to have three first-round picks when that first day in April is done in the draft? Yeah, I do. If I was a betting man, I would actually bet on them keeping the picks. Okay. Um, which I guess might be a hot take right now with all the quarterback buzz. But this draft specifically feels like a draft where the money section is in that 15 to 25 range. There's not a lot of guys like in years past that feel like high-end blue chip guys. You know, there's no Kyle Pitts in this draft. There's no Isaiah Simmons or Chase Young, or Tristan Wirfs, or any of those kind of like slam dunk blue chip guys. You know, there's some guys who are somewhat in that range. You know, I think uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, um, Derek Stingley, like those are guys who, who, who could be argued to be kind of like blue chippers. Um, but I think this is a draft where kind of the late first round picks are going to be, they're going to feel the most valuable in terms of what you're getting for what, or what you're getting uh, in, in exchange for whatever you're giving up. So having 15, 16 and 19 in this draft feels really good. It feels like the picks that you're going to make are the right picks, no matter who who's there. And based on where the meat of this class is uh, along the offensive line, the defensive line, uh, a lot of good, uh, defensive backs and wide receivers positions where the Eagles need a lot of help. Um, this, this just feels like a really good position for them to be, to, to really load up on it load up their roster at those various positions, linebacker as well. So it would be the smart thing for them to do. Obviously, you know, if some crazy trade happens, then then this is all null and void. But right now, sitting here on January 24th at uh, 4.48 p.m., I'm going to say that they make those three picks. Okay. Let's hop right into it. Pick 15 you have. Defensive lineman from Texas A&M, Marvin Leal. Rationale behind that, how's he fit on the Eagles? So something that the Eagles really were lacking this year was explosiveness up front. They Their defensive line came along and became a solid run-stopping unit towards the, the latter half of the season, but there was really not a point in the year where it really felt like they had that game-changing defensive lineman. They lacked pass rush, a consistent disruptive pass rush all year. Obviously, you hope that Milton Williams turns into more of a playmaker heading into year two. Fletcher Cox's outlook is a little bit shaky. You know, they're paying him a lot of money. He hasn't been performing well. And Javon Hargraves had a strong start to the year, but didn't really bring that same level of pass rush in the second half of the year, despite being a solid player overall. So you really got to load up. DeMarvin Leal is uh, an extremely explosive athlete, and he's also very versatile. He can play defensive end in four-man fronts. He can slide inside. 
uh, to rush the passer from a three technique. Um, it's a little unclear what the defensive coordinator position is going to look like, you know, with Jonathan Gannon getting a head coaching uh, buzz for some reason. And if he leaves, obviously whoever comes in is going to dictate how players fit into the defensive line and across the whole defense. Um, but in a world where Gannon stays, Leal makes a lot of sense given the way that he likes to move defensive linemen around and really values their versatility. And honestly, you know, the, the versatility that Leal brings to the table, I think is going to be valuable regardless of the scheme that, that the Eagles are playing in next year. He has a lot of work to do, but when it comes to the defensive line, you got to draft athletes. I'm a big believer in drafting for upside, especially along the defensive line. And this guy is all upside. Do you think that athleticism plays better at the end or, as you said, a three technique? Because the Eagles are, while we always sort of at them as a team, especially during the Jim Schwartz era, that it was so stacked defensive end. And because of those rotations, those guys stayed healthy. They stayed fresh well into the season. And obviously, as we saw, it had tremendous, tremendous success and positivity come the Super Bowl, come the playoffs and everything like that. But now it seems like the strength, even though it may be uh, Fletcher Costas and the player he once was, he was an all-pro in 2018, still might be now the interior defensive line rather than uh, on the edge where you have Hargrave, who played really well to start the year, kind of teetered off at the end, wasn't super happy for what we saw from the last couple months of the season, for me at least. And then Milton Williams seems to be the young guy everyone is riding high on now, justifiably so, I believe, too. I was very high on him going in the draft. Obviously, I'm not a draft guy in the same vein that you are, but when I saw it seemed like a tremendous prospect and was really happy to get him when they got him in the third round last year. So do you think he's more of a guy who fits in there or because they do have a kind of an up, you know, it's up in the air on the edge right now because we're assuming Derek Barnett's going to be back. Josh, what is that new extension looked really well this year? And then Brandon Graham, who we all love dearly, will be in his age 34 season next season. And he's coming off an Achilles injury. Yeah, I, I think I think his value is going to is gonna, he's going to prove the most valuable rushing from the inside. Okay. The way that the NFL is, I think being able to create disruption in the middle of your defense uh, affects the rest of the unit so much. You know, having it, someone who could take up a lot of space and a lot of attention um, from the defensive tackle position tends to free up uh, your your edge rushers and, and create more opportunities for them. So if he really hits, I think they'd probably look to use him more as a full-time, uh, you know, interior rusher, interior defensive lineman. That being said... Uh, I, I think that there's still value in being able to move him around, uh, you know, even guys, I mean, you know, Fletcher Cox in his prime, uh, you know, Chris Jones, another one, Aaron Donald, you know, guys who are playing their best from the three technique or from the one technique, you know, penetrating defensive tackles, but who can play defensive end, who can actually bend around the edge despite being 280, 290 pounds. Um, and that's really valuable, especially when you get into more, you know, early downs, run defense, like I said, I think Leal is still a little bit of a, of a project. Um, he's going to take a lot of coaching, but betting on an athlete like that, I, I think is a smart move, especially for a defensive line that needs so much juice the way that the Eagles do. And if they can get him, you know, if, if they can get him really thriving as an interior rusher, then you're getting your money's worth uh, from a first round pick. All right. Back to back picks. Pick 16. Maybe the offensive line prospect Eagles fans have ever known so intently already by January. The guy, as you said in your write-up, will be mock drafted or mocked, however you want to say it, to Eagles. Maybe more than any player this season for stylistic purposes, rational purposes, everything in between. Center from Iowa, Tyler Linderbaum. Obviously, first thing you think of when you see Tyler Linderbaum, 
What's the player comp that comes to mind? I'm sure for everyone out there, Jason Kelsey. He's, Jason Kelsey. Yes. He's he, you know he's a little bit shorter. He's a little bit smaller than your average center, but he's fast as hell. He's strong. He's nasty. He's smart. I think he's the best center prospect to come out of college football since Tra- Travis Friedrich. And there is, I think there's a, there's already you know a lot of people are in favor of this pick at this you know at this point. And there's a lot of people who are kind of, you know, pushing back on it, saying, you know, drafting a, drafting a center in the year after you draft Leonard Dickerson, drafting a center in the first round doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think with any other center prospect, I would agree. With Linderbaum, I think that if he's there at pick 15 or pick 16, this is not a guy you can really pass up on. Uh, you know, given the state of the Eagles offensive line, despite how dominant it is, you always want to have a pipeline of players maintaining that depth, maintaining a level of continuity along the offensive line where you're always going to have a strong unit. And the Eagles have been really good at doing that. I mean, even this past year where there was musical chairs, they were bringing guys in who were playing really well. But the idea of having Linderbaum, you know, maybe play guard for a year, you know, where Sumalo is slotted into right now um, and obviously missed a lot of this past season and then maybe eventually sliding him to center um, and then keeping Dickerson at guard where he thrived last year or thrived in his rookie season, that makes a lot of sense. And it's a really great way to make sure that the Eagles have a phenomenal offensive line for the next 10 years, the way that they've had a really phenomenal offensive line for the last few years. Uh, And I mean, like I said, he's too good of a player to pass up on regardless of position. He can play guard. He can play center. We don't know what Jason Kelsey's, outlook is yet if he's going to be back for another season obviously we all hope he is but even if he is i think having this guy waiting in the wings to take over a year from now would be a really smart really great move yeah i'm all aboard keeping dickerson at left guard i know he was one of the players one of the many players it seems in the last handful of years that was taken with the idea that he could be an eventual successor to kelsey at center but if he's a beast at left guard just let him be a beast at left guard next to me a lot of for the next six seven eight years i'm fine with that and Talking about that he does have the potential to play guard at the next level. And I think that's something that would help people that are maybe a little bit more of the tractors about this pick. Obviously, it's probably the most famous mock pick already in the draft cycle for Eagles fans that have seen out there. Because I think some people might be apprehensive to draft an interior lineman, not just because they took Dickerson earlier last year, but the idea that they could be having a guy, an interior lineman, draft in the first round and not really play much as a rookie. I think that seemed as a deterrent. I can empathize with that. I can see what that is. But if the situation, the Eagles are really up in the air at right guard right now because of Brandon Brooks. I mean, guy has not be health, hasn't been healthy since the Super Bowl. I love the guy. Great Eagle. Great person, I think. Great person who done a lot for the mental health community and doing that with athletes and obviously was all pro star level, probably best right guard in football for a little bit right there. But it just doesn't seem like he has much of a future in Philadelphia, given the injury history, the contract, all these different things. And then you have Ike. I don't really know what's going to happen with him. Comes off. He played okay to start the season, I thought. But Dickerson's Dickerson. You have to leave him at left guard, I would definitely think so. And then, you know, Jack Driscoll, I think, is a really nice death piece. But they could use an entrenched guy at right guard. And if Linderbaum's there, I would think that there's a good chance come training camp. He's the best guy that fits for right guard right there. And Kelsey plays another year or two. He looks okay. Slide him over or... Hey, like Leonard and Dickerson, if he's just a beast at right guard, maybe just leave him at right guard. Yeah, that that's that's kind of how I feel. Where where it's like you're making the decision between you know having one of the top five offensive lines in football, or 
drafting drafting Linderbaum and guaranteeing that you have the best offensive line in football for at least the next five years. And like you think about the the ability of like the Cowboys over the last few years to have such a great offense and such a multiple offense because of what their offensive line has allowed them to do and the continuity along their offensive line has allowed them to do. And it's like, I want that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that's kind of where I am with, with that pick. Obviously, like if they determine to go elsewhere with it, um, it would make sense. And it's a little bit of a, a luxury pick, but yeah. it feels it, he is the type of player I would, I would like peg him as being a, blue chip player in this class. Okay. I think purely off talent alone, he's a top three player in this class. And the only reason we would the Eagles would have a prayer of him falling to this point would, was would be because he is a center. All right. Pick 19. The last pick for the birds in the first round, a guy who passes the name test with flying car colors right now. From Cincinnati cornerback. You said he was the best pure cornerback in this class, I believe, right? Am I saying that correctly? Best, best pure cover corner in this class. Best pure cover corner in this class. Ahmad Gardner also going on the internet or being known by as Sauce Gardner. Yes. Tell us about Sauce and why he fits in Philadelphia. So Ahmad Sauce Gardner, just for Eagles fans to know out there, this is my Devontae Smith this year. This is the all guy right. that I like I'm it. just going to be like obsessive over all offseason until the Eagles draft him. And I'm live on uh, on SB Nation's uh, live stream of the draft, and I start tearing up the way that I did when they drafted Devontae Smith. Um, Gardner is the perfect blend of size, 6'1", 200 pounds, long arm, athleticism, probably is going to run in the 4'5", or 4'4'5 range, somewhere like that. Um, he can jump out of the gym. He's extremely physical. He's very, very smart, uh, and just a very technically sound corner who has been, who has been, you know, the cornerstone of Cincinnati's de- uh, defense over the last two years, and a big, big reason they've been as successful as they are. And he's given them a lot of flexibility because he was the type of cornerback at, at Cincinnati who could take away half the field. And you know, he's playing at a mid-major school, or non-power five school, but you know, he's dominating everyone he's playing across. And even in the situations where they're playing, you know, higher-level talent. He's still putting on really, really good tape. The Eagles need a quality cornerback across from Darius Slay. Darius Slay had a phenomenal season in Philadelphia this year. But having one good outside cornerback is not enough in today's NFL. I mean, the ways – I mean, we watched in the playoff game, the ways in which, you know, offenses were able to pick apart the Eagles' defense, you know, going going at Steven Nelson, going at the linebackers, going at the safeties – you need a lot of speed in your secondary. You need a lot of speed in the second level of your defense. Uh, so having an outside cornerback like Ahmad Gardner to play across from Darius Slay would give the Eagles a really phenomenal one-two punch. And then also I think Darius Slay would serve as, as, a, as a really good mentor uh, for Gardner. You know, the Eagles have not drafted a cornerback high like this in a in a very long time and drafted since Lido, i guess really is the last first rounder pick they had yeah exactly but the thing the thing is that you know i give howie roseman maybe more more crap than anybody but you know you got it to his credit he has been taking more chances the last few years um right or wrong sometimes making the wrong decision um and kind of going against his own grain And, and i think that you know, it used to be 
that, you know, for a while, you know, we were begging the Eagles to draft wide receivers high. They drafted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. It didn't work out. They drafted Jen Rager. It didn't work out. They drafted Devontae Smith. That's working out. Um, you know, for a while, it was like, you, you need to draft a running back. You need to draft a running back. They weren't drafting running backs high. They eventually got Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, you know, can debate all we want about it, but, like, he is a good player. And they, they like, made an effort to pick, a, you know, a good player high in the draft in the second round to go get that guy. And I think that, you know, he might be more willing to test his own, you know, go against the grains of his own conventions um, and draft a cornerback high because, one, this is a good class to draft a cornerback high. Two, it's a huge need on the defense. And three, it's like they've been trying this one thing on on defense for so long in terms of their their draft strategies and drafting defensive linemen and drafting defensive linemen and drafting defensive linemen. And the defensive line has consistently been – you know, solid to very good, but at some point, you know, over the course of every few like cycle of seasons, the rest of the defense breaks down and, you know, how good the, the defensive line is doesn't really matter. So I'm hoping that this is going to be a situation where, you know, Howie sees that like, okay, this is the year that we need to go get a cornerback and, you know, Gardner is the guy that he, he goes and gets. Like you're saying, the Eagles have always prioritized the trenches. And with your next pick, 51st pick overall, second round, you have the Eagles going to the defensive line once again following their 15th pick in the first round they took to Marvin Leal. You have the 51st pick, Drake Jackson, Ed Rusher from USC. What do Eagles fans need to know about Drake Jackson? So so with Drake Jackson, it's going to be a situation where, you know, people are always scared of drafting USC players for some reason. And also, you know, playing in the Pac-12, it's you have less eyes on the guy, so he's not going to have the same level as hype, same level of hype as you know some of the uh, the the Midwestern and and uh, East East Coast uh, prospects who are playing along the defensive line. But Drake Jackson is an exciting pass rusher. You know, he's he's definitely a pass rusher first. He's six four. He's two hundred fifty pounds. He has great burst off the line of scrimmage, and the Eagles need. I mean, kind of going back to the, the Leal pick, it's it's about adding dynamic athletes to the front seven, adding dynamic athletes specifically to those getting after the quarterback. You know, they're going to be losing Derek Barnett, who actually had a pretty solid season, but, you know, we're all happy that he's he's, he's maybe about to go get a big It's time. It's, time. it's time. It's time for him to go. Um, you know, like you said, Brandon Graham is 34 years old. He's coming off an Achilles injury. And then outside of that, what do you got? You got Jannard Avery who had a solid season, but is not probably a, a, a solid role player at most. You have Patrick Johnson, who wasn't used very much as a rookie and might be a little bit of a tweener playing a little bit of edge, a little bit inside linebacker, not a true pure pass rusher. You need somebody dynamic to play across from Josh Sweat. And, and Jackson feels like a really good pick there. He, he feels like a guy who still has a lot of great football ahead of him. I don't think he has played his best football yet. He's a very good athlete and he has a lot to put together. And, and, you know, it's, it's really exciting, the, the, the prospect of having, you know, a guy like Leal, a guy like Jackson, you know, Milton Williams as well, young, athletic, defensive linemen with tons of upside who have the opportunity through snaps to get experience on the field and develop in game. And, and you know, a year from now, two years from now, you have an extremely athletic defensive line uh, who can test any offense in the league. So that, that's kind of my my thought process with the Jackson pick and, and, 
And, you know, going back to the first three picks that the Eagles can make, this is where I think, you know, if the Eagles decide against going for the Linderbaum pick, I think addressing the defensive, you know, kind of double dipping at the defensive line in the first round makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, we were just talking about maybe, you know, how he always prioritizes the defensive line. There's a lot of good pass rushers in this draft. You know, Drake Jackson, I think, might be available in the second round. I think a guy like uh, like uh, Jermaine Johnson from FSU is another name to look out for as a potential mid to mid to late first round pick that they could get. But they need they need to rejuvenate the defense. You know, at the at the the parts where the Eagles are best on defense, they are also the oldest, and the parts yes. where they are youngest, they are the weakest. So yes. no matter what, they they need an influx of talent, and, and I think Jackson would be would be a really nice fit. Uh, as a pass rushing specialist. Now we've seen in Jonathan Gannon's defense, some mixed fronts. And even if you're using four traditional linemen, some guys are playing in the three point stands with their hands in the ground. Some guys are uh, standing up as a rusher. Is Jackson a guy who would be better uh, hand in the dirt, you know, three point stance guy or better standing up two point stance guy or a guy who could really do both. I, I think he's probably best as, as uh, as more of like an outside linebacker, two point okay. stance type of guy, but because of his athleticism, He's someone that you could really move around the defensive front. You know, you can line him. You can kind of like line him up over the center, standing up. You can stunt him. You use him using him on twists. When you have athletic defensive linemen like that, it gives you so much flexibility. Uh, whereas, like, it really felt sometimes that the Eagles were trying to like almost force versatility onto their defensive line, like against the skill sets of what their defensive linemen could actually do. Um, much to you know, I think I, I think much to the to the the downfall of the defense but adding a guy like jackson adding a guy with that level of athleticism will give you that flexibility and will make that flexibility and and that that multiple defensive those multiple defensive looks make more sense okay go next going back to defense here once again 83rd pick overall third round you have the eagles taking brandon smith linebacker from linebacker you yeah, State University. I think this is this is going to be another favorite among Eagles fans. The most maligned positional group in the history of Philadelphia sports. Maybe, well, maybe Flyers goaltenders number one. I'll say that. <laughs> then Eagles linebackers number. Yeah, one. It, for a while it was probably like Eagles Eagles strong safety, but I think linebacker has now has now taken the uh, taken the lead among at least like football maligned positions because. I can't do another year of watching the Eagles get just totally picked apart by tight ends and slot receivers. You know, Alex Singleton seems like a perfectly nice guy. You know, TJ Edwards seems like a perfectly nice guy. And they made some really nice plays for the Eagles over the last few years. But the Eagles need speed at linebacker. You know, we're this is 2022 now. You need you need fast linebackers in the NFL. Um, and Brandon Smith is athletic, but he's also very smart. He's a lot of experience playing linebacker at Penn State, quarterbacking that defense, uh, and he's he's a guy you can slot in day one as a third round pick, and he can start at start at middle linebacker in your defense, and that that's huge. You know, there's a lot of people talking about you know Nicobe Dean is really exciting, Devin Lloyd is really exciting, Christian Harris out of Alabama is really exciting. And I think any of those guys would be really phenomenal in Philadelphia. But I think there's also a counter argument that you don't want to spend too high on linebacker. That also makes sense. And I think this is like a perfect negotiation between those two points. 
going third round pick tackling athletic tackling machine out of Penn state. This is like, this feels kind of like the Jordan Hicks pick a few years ago, you know, getting a smart athletic guy in the middle of your defense, less injury concern than Jordan Hicks though, which is always very nice. And we, we just need, we need athletes and linebacker. I, I I'm sick. I'm sick of watching the tight ends just go off every single week against Philadelphia watching, you know, running backs on, on uh, outside zones, just beating the linebackers to the edge every single time. I can't watch it anymore. And, and uh, I think Smith would be a really good addition to the defense in order to, you know, stop that from happening. Yeah, you talk about the Jordan Hicks pick as a comp in terms of just where the Eagles are kind of taking him in the draft in consideration or in respect to their overall drafting and roster construction. Uh, philosophy regarding the linebacker position, but do you think he's actually maybe even a stylistic comp to Jordan Hicks? You're talking about being a kind of a dynamic athlete a little bit. Is he a guy who excels more so playing downhill, or is he a guy that's going to succeed playing in space in the passing game, which I was really surprised and happy with with Hicks during his tenure in Philadelphia? Yeah, I, I think I think that he, he has a lot of tape of him playing really solid run defense. And playing in the Big Ten, you're, you're going to just get more opportunities to play against yeah. the run than playing in other conferences. But he also has the athleticism, I think, to thrive as a, a as a coverage linebacker, and despite not having as many of the opportunities to do that, you know, I, I he he's he's a really solid all around defensive player. You know, maybe not as flashy as a guy like Lloyd or, or like Dean, which is probably why he's not getting the same level of as of hype. But he's he he looks like he feels like a player who's going to outplay his draft position, uh, much like Jordan Hicks did. And, and and this feels like a really good place for the Eagles to take a linebacker. All right. Next up, a pick I'm loving right now. Going back to offense, stacking up the backfield. The 120th pick you have the Eagles taking from Iowa State running back, Brees Hall. So I, I, I should actually be having a piece out today uh, in Bleeding Green Nation about – I'm doing like a position-by-position position review of the roster and kind of comparing that to – the, the draft class and what maybe the Eagles could do to address that position. And today I wrote about the running back situation. The Eagles led the league in rushing this year. They set franchise records in rushing and rushing touchdowns. They can run the ball. They have a great defensive, a great offensive line. They have a mobile quarterback. That's a recipe for success anytime you want to run the ball. But they were able to run the ball in spite of the, the, the merry-go-round that they were having in their backfield, you know, yeah, they had a historically great running game. And I don't think any of their running backs were terribly great. This exactly. Year. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like Jordan Howard, you know, if you want four yards, he's going to get you four yards every single time. Jordan yes. Howard's awesome. Super injury. But if you want seven for him, he's also going to get you four yards. Yeah, exactly. But you know, he, his injuries kept him off the field this year. And, you know, with Miles Sanders, you know, I think, I think Miles Sanders probably gets a little bit more, crap than he deserves he's a dynamic running back he's a playmaker he's not super consistent but he had some really he had some really excellent games this year behind this offensive line but he's missed eight games over the last two seasons you know similar to Howard he, he does have a little bit of an injury bug and overall he's not as consistent of a runner as you'd want him to be and then behind those two guys you have Boston Scott who's better off being the second or third guy in a running back rotation and Kenneth Gainwell, who, you know, had a really solid rookie season as a fifth-round pick, I think scored six total touchdowns, showed a little bit in the passing game, a little bit in the running game. But he's he's a little bit smaller of a running back, not good in pass protection, so probably not going to be your three-down back, more of a role player, more of like a chess piece guy in your offense. So 
I'm over here thinking the Eagles need to replace Jordan Howard. I think I think if you're going to say I, we need to replace at least one guy in this backfield, I think replacing Jordan Howard snaps makes the most sense given, you know, he's a little bit later in his career. He's a little bit more injury prone. Brees Hall is a 220, 230 pound running back, bruising, athletic, soft hands for a big, big back, was a touchdown machine at Iowa State, Iowa State. Um, and makes a lot of sense as a compliment in this Eagles in this Eagles rushing offense. You know, we'll see what the Miles Sanders situation is long term, but in the short term, I feel like Hall would be a really good thunder to Sanders' lightning and mix in very nicely with you know what Jalen Hurts brings to the table as a runner. Going forward, I mean, tangential to that, you know, the Eagles, if and when Jalen Hurts is still the quarterback next year. You probably don't want to be using your quarterback on power runs as much as the Eagles were this year. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, part of the reason that, you know, Hertz was banged up towards the end of the season is because he was exposed to a lot of contact because of the Eagles play calling. You want your quarterback running a little bit less in those situations. So having a power running back who can take those short yardage situations, take those goal line situations, um, would probably take that pressure off of him. So Brees Hall feels like a guy who, at least in the short term, could come in as that power runner. Um, and, and early down running back. And, but I do think that he has the upside to develop into a three-down player for the Eagles. Yeah, you're talking about he has soft hands for a big guy. You're saying like he'd probably be better as a pass catcher than we saw from Jordan Howard in Philadelphia for sure. Definitely. We're talking about a, like a big back who actually has surprised people and really come along in his career. I think of Leonard Fournette, who wasn't that guy at all when he got to Jacksonville. Now you see in Tampa Bay, he's flourished as a pass catcher. You see him something a player who could kind of turn out that way a little bit as a pass catcher yeah i i think i think in terms of in terms of breaking molds he, he definitely would have that ability he definitely doesn't have Fournette's straight line speed yeah i wasn't i was talking more as kind of the unlikely pass catcher rather oh, than just, definitely. you yeah. know coming into yeah. the draft Fournette was you know went forth for a reason even though obviously it was uh outrageous to take a running back that high it was obvious why he was regarded as probably the best running back in that class based on his pure running game when he was at lsu yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. I, th- I think I think Hall is probably going to surprise people a lot in terms of his ability to catch the ball. All right, going off next, I, I like this pick. It's needed. There, de- there's depth is needed at this position. Essentially, we don't know what's going to happen with Tyree Jackson. I like him, but unfortunately, suffered a grave injury in that Dallas game in Week 18. We have tight end. I'm going to make sure I'm pronouncing this correctly. Hand up. Don't watch all the Pac-12 football. Greg Dulwich from UCLA. Dulwich, yeah, from, yeah, Dulwich. from the with the 152nd pick. Why is he a great number two tight end, number three tight end in this Eagles offense behind the newly extended Dallas Goddard? So if anybody reads my my rookie report card articles uh, from the season, you know that I'm the world's biggest Jack Stoll fan. Uh, I think that he was He's awesome. a big uh, – He's he has a lot of supporters on the Odds and End Zones podcast. Okay, good. So, I mean, yes. everybody knows that, you know, I think he totally kicked ass as a run blocker this year despite the fact that he might have caught three passes. And therein lies the problem. You know, you want the Eagles want to run a lot of their offense out of the two tight end sets. Uh, I think that's where they have the most flexibility with their offense. But if one of your tight ends isn't a super viable pass-catching threat, it does limit you, and it does make your offense a little bit more predictable. Um, Dulwich averaged almost 18 yards of reception during his time at, UC- at over three years at UCLA and scored 10 touchdowns in the last two years. He was a serious playmaker from the tight end position. He's not going to be the same kind of blocker 
that you know Jack Stoll was. But with tight ends, sometimes in terms of blocking, all you want is effort, and he is an effort guy. Um, but he does feel like at least a, a good depth pick here, and maybe a guy who can develop into a nice role player given his speed uh, and soft hands at the position. Do you envision him being more of a guy that's in the slot, that type of tight end, rather than a guy who's traditionally, you know, playing off tackle the way Dallas Goddard succeeded in his career and with the way the Eagles use Jack Stoll this year? Because you're just saying that he's coming out at the very least, uh, probably more refined as a receiver than a than a run blocker at this stage. But I am into the idea that he's just a willing blocker because I'll take effort. And obviously he works with the tight end coaches. But uh, if you're in the building with Jeff, Jeff Stallin and you need to work on run blocking, I know a guy who could help you out. Yeah, I, I think I think Dulwich makes sense as, as kind of like a like a big slot type of tight end. Okay. Um, but that being said, like in the past, the Eagles have had a lot of success when they had Ertz and Goddard on the field at the same time. You know, being able yeah. to move Ertz around, you know, put Ertz in the slot, have Dallas Goddard uh, lined up in line, and then you you have a lot of different pre snap looks that you can motion in and out of as well. Um, so I think having a guy like like Dulwich. Um, on the on the team on the offense would give you a lot of flexibility because he does present that threat as a pass catcher where Stoll hasn't proved to be able to do that at this point in his career. Yeah, when they're in twelve personnel and on third and one from the one yard line going in, it's really obvious that they're probably going to um, yeah exactly. run the ball or thirteen personnel when Jack Stoll's in there, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, coming up next with the hundred and sixtieth pick. Justin Ross, wide receiver Clemson. That's a good archetype to bank on. Because when I'm coming to the draft, I'm looking at archetypes. What type of player from this specific school has a track record of having success at the next level? One of the biggest ones in all of college football, receiver at Clemson. Yeah. And not only not only receiver at Clemson, but you know, even going deeper into the archetype conversation, big body physical receivers, you know, T. Higgins. Mike Williams come to mind guys who, you know, are basically small forwards at the wide receiver position, happy to go up and get it over smaller cornerbacks. You know, Justin Ross kind of exploded onto the scene as a freshman. He went for a thousand yards um, with that kind of dominating, you know, above the rim play style. And unfortunately the rest of his career at Clemson was marred by injury. He had a serious neck injury uh, that kept him out for a year. Um, then he, he didn't play because of COVID and then he played a little bit this year, but, uh, wasn't really able the, the Clemson offense was kind of wacky, took a long time to get on its feet. Um, and he himself seemed like he was still kind of shaking some rust off. So this is an upside pick, you know, Ross at his best was a really excellent, uh, player in college football. That was a long time ago. So you're kind of betting that he's able to get a little bit of that back. But where the Eagles are with wide receiver right now, basically looking for any sort of help outside of Devontae Smith, swinging at the position as many times as you can in the draft at this point makes a lot of sense uh, because, you know, anything is going to be better than what Jalen Rager has brought to the table at this point. And despite, you know, the, the strides that Quez Watkins made in year two, you know, he is still very much a replaceable player as the yeah. second wide receiver in this offense. Yeah, I think if you're going to take a home run shot, it's, again, the 160th pick in the draft. Do a lot worse than the guy you just described. So Yeah, absolutely. All on the pick there. A few picks later, the Eagles pick once again, the 164th pick. You have them taking Isaac, Isaac, Isaac Taylor Stewart, 
cornerback once again from USC. What do Eagles fans need to know about him? Uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart is 6'1", hits hard as hell, 200 pounds, very athletic. Uh, didn't get didn't get a ton of playing time at USC between taking a long time to get on the field as a starter, the Pac-12 season being shortened because of COVID last year. Um, so he's more of a developmental player. He's also could potentially uh, be a safety convert, you know, okay. based on his athleticism, his physical profile, uh, and his play style. So this is more of a, a depth pick. Also looking for a little bit of upside here. Um, Taylor Stewart feels like a solid pick here. I like it. Can you, does he have any uh, versatility to play at the slot or just outside? Because, you know, sometimes when you have those guys who have that ability or just the thought that he could be a safety at the next level, sometimes a guy who could play a little bit of everything. But sometimes when you're a guy, especially when on a day three pick, if you can do a little bit of everything, probably means you can't do anything particularly well. But maybe you're passing at both slot, outside, and safety a bit too. I, he certainly has the athleticism to play at any cornerback position. I'm not, I don't know how much experience he, he would have to be able to bring there. Yeah. That being said, you know, kind of talking about like what day three guys can bring to the table. I do think that he also could probably bring a lot as a punt gunner and as a special teamer in general. So, yeah. All right. Second to last pick, 194th pick, a guy who, uh, if he was any good in Philadelphia, his name, everyone would, would adore it. We have Charleston Rambo, wide receiver, Miami. What do we need to know about Charlie Rambo? So Charlie Rambo was at Oklahoma for a few years where it always felt like he was about to break out, but he never did. Transfers to Miami and sets Miami's reception record. Now, if you know anything about Miami football, some really great wide receivers have come through that college. And for Charleston Rambo to set the, the record for the school in receptions in a season, that's pretty serious considering who, who he's going up against. Now, Rambo is a phenomenal route runner. He's got very good ball skills, but concentration drops have basically plagued him his whole career. So Sounds like an eagle already. Yeah, so, sounds like a perfect fit. So you're betting on a guy who has some work to do in terms of getting confident, becoming consistent, but brings a lot to the table in terms of technical skill set athleticism, good size. And like I said, at the wide receiver position, keep swinging. Uh, and, and, you know, bringing a guy who can push push the roster, you know, push for that sixth wide receiver spot, you know, with Ortega Whiteside, with Greg Ward, with Jan Rager, you know, push those kind of like bottom of the depth chart guys, create some competition, make them feel a little uncomfortable. And, and uh, hopefully you get a good trio of wide receivers out of that group. Can you throw out a comp for him at the NFL level or just kind of you don't even almost know what to expect from a guy who's this late in the draft? Um, I would say like – Obviously, like, we're not throwing out Andre Johnson here, but just a guy no, who might I, even be a solid 3-4 three, four out there. I, I think, I think a, a really – I think a, um, a, like a, a conservative comparison for him would probably be like Deshaun Hamilton who came out of Penn State okay. a few years ago and went to the, yeah. the Broncos. Uh, I think if you were doing like a really optimistic comparison – It'd be like Emmanuel Sanders. Um, I'm holding you to that now. Yeah, so we got Emmanuel good. Sanders now to go with Devontae Smith. We're locked and loaded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, everybody's getting open with, with that, that those guys out there. But like I said, I, I think it just makes a lot of sense. You know, when I was when I was doing these sims last year, I, I was I was quite regularly drafting three wide receivers in, in each simulation. Definitely um, same, same, same. Because 
And, and you know, the Eagles had done that the, the year before. They drafted Jalen Rager, and then they drafted John Hightower, and then they drafted Quez Watkins. So the Eagles know what they have to do with the position in order to find the guys to play there, which is keep swinging. And given the current state of the, the roster, I think that it, they still got to be doing that. Yeah. And finishing up, the last pick for the Birds, we have the 207th pick overall. You have the Eagles going for the interior offensive line. Once again, it wouldn't be an Eagles draft. They didn't take at least multiple offensive linemen, I don't think. So I like that you went here, one for one here. And the Eagles do have a track record of developing these guys. They're taking late on day three into not just playable or playable guys like Matt Pryor or Jack Driscoll, but you have guys who are getting picked in the sixth and seventh round and turning into stars like Jason Kelsey and Jordan Van Lott. Right here we have James Empey, if I'm not pronouncing that right. My apologies. I'm sure yeah, you can correct me. Uh, you have listed as a center from Brigham Young University. Yeah, so th this is another depth pick, like you said, making sure bolstering the offensive line, making sure there's constantly a, a really deep group there. Uh, if you if you watch BYU's offense over the last few years, you know that they have a like, physical mauling offensive line. MP has been a three-year starter. He's been a team captain. That's the kind of guy that you want to get late in, the, late in the draft. Someone who has a lot of experience, someone who's well-regarded in the locker room. And who has some upside as a, as a spot starter who can play either guard position or play center. Yeah, and never know. Tyler Lindenbaum could play this year at right guard, turn into a pro ball at right guard. And, you know, in two years, Kelsey retires and that guy's playing center for you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we all joke about the quarterback factory, but we, the Eagles definitely have the offensive line. These, we are literally the offensive line factory. So and I love it. Keep it going. All right, Ben, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any other things we need to plug besides just your work we're going to have following along with all, all offseason and we'll probably have you back on the podcast at least once more before April for sure. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I'd be thrilled to come on. Just uh, look out for, for all my articles. I'm going to be doing every every week there's going to be a mock simulation. Uh, we're going to be doing the, ro the roster review over the next few weeks. Uh, mock drafts, player profiles, player rankings, the full gamut. We're going to probably have a senior senior bowl preview coming up soon. So just uh, follow me on Twitter, I guess, at uh, the Benetton uh, and uh, just watch. <laughs> I guess I'll, I'm going to have a ton of stuff out every week. So just look out I love for that. that. That's what Eagles fans need right now. And you're providing. That's what we try to do always here on the Bleeding Green Nation radio network. And as of, of course, as on uh, bleedinggreennation.com. So, so Ben, Thank you for coming on, everyone. Thank you for listening. Be sure to leave a five-star review. I know you can start doing that on Spotify now, so you're able to do that. If you haven't been an Apple listener, been a Spotify listener, now you can give us a five-star review on there. Please do so. That helps us out so much. Thanks to our great podcast producer, Rachel, for all the hard work. Always be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Seamus underscore Clancy, and then you can follow the Bleeding Green Nation Instagram that I help run with Rachel at Bleeding Green Insta. That's it for me. Everyone, it's draft season. It's the off-season mode. Let's get with it. Keep bleeding green.